0: You're listening to Paint the Town Podcast with your hosts LA Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of LA Street Art Gallery, James Of Thank you for tuning in to Paint the Town Podcast. I'm your host, James. I'm sitting here with trusty Scribe. Um, it's great. It almost worked. It almost worked. Work, you know, well, because we
1: don't have any products yet to to give. You know? Oh yeah, like, yeah. You didn't wait, show, didn't show you up with
2: soju and and t-shirts. And exactly. And we don't make... have any product to give. So he was like, you know, I, I gotta go.
1: Yeah, you, you might know? have to get off my property. <laughs> He's, got another piece he's ready to put up i don't know you know yeah they
0: come with something else i'm looking at a few right here but you know what before before we get into it i definitely want to plug some of our partners and sponsors um we have a great bullying uh, anti-bullying program that uh company hell yeah man i love these guys uh headed up by my buddy
1: chris council um these guys are awesome they got some great clothing uh great quality clothing on top of it um but they also um they work with anti-bullying campaigns so uh absolutely love these guys
0: You know, personally, I love their clothing brand as well. You can check them out on Instagram. You can check it out on Google. Um, But also, we have another sponsor, Yobo Soju. We just want to uh, give them a shout-out. If you haven't tried Soju, it's basically like a Korean vodka. And what's special about Soju is that it's actually made out of uh, this particular one is made out of red grapes so it won't actually give you a hangover so um, those gotta are you gotta get me some of that
1: <laughs> you know what next time I'll I can't handle some. hangovers anymore man I'm
0: old I Daddy, got you twins you're talking
1: soju
2: but there's none on the table
0: I, that's what I was saying we almost lost trusty <laughs> <laughs> Well, how about this? Okay. How about this? Next time, I'll bring James in. He's the he's the soju, Yoba Soju guy, and then we're going to basically kill a bottle and do a podcast. How about yeah, that? Yeah, taste <laughs> test. We'll do a little yeah, taste test. do a and he
2: can explain uh, the history of soju. And,
0: yeah, and we'll, do, we'll do it on, like, a Memorial Day weekend show. We'll invite some, uh, maybe some police officers to give some breathalyzers on the way, like, while we're have doing a up it. There. Yeah, have right a little setup or something like that's that. A <laughs> great. Alcohol you check can checkpoint. You guys stumble off my... Checkpoint chart. Yeah, exactly, and kind of show people the effects of drinking soju long term, you know, I mean, as how how drunk we get per shot, you know. I think about nice. that might I'm be not, fun. I'm not. I'm
2: not sure this is going to end up supporting the soju industry. I have lots of questions.
0: It. I've got lots of questions. <laughs> yeah, but you, you know. Okay. So, anyway, so you soju. Uh, Wait, check so it out. This is
2: not the soju podcast. That's not what we're doing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Next time, I promise. I promise right. trust you. okay? Right. So, um, yeah, so we had a few questions for you, man. And one of the reasons we wanted to bring uh, you particular as an artist into uh, the episode is because we definitely want to talk a little bit about mental health. And uh, I know a lot of your art kind of uh, deals with... Uh, Depression a little bit And mental health In mm-hmm. terms of a coping So, um, y- y- you know Why don't you go yeah, ahead And the describe a the little
1: Anthony Bourdain um, Yeah,
0: definitely um,
1: Situation Kate Spade And all this stuff Is, uh, you know We wanted to kind of Avicii uh, Yeah Chester I mean, Bennington Yeah,
2: I mean It's definitely coming in the, Into the forefront um, I, To give you a little background um, I've suffered with depression Most of my life And, and <clears throat> there's definitely A difference between Clinical depression And feelings of sorrow And, and sort of long feelings of, of depression and sorrow. Um, and, and in 2017, I, I suffered one of the worst bouts of depression and I had already been considering started painting cause I'd been around street artists for so long. And I, I felt like in my own life, like my voice wasn't being heard. And because I'm a writer by trade and a photographer by trade and a filmmaker by trade, I I'm always thinking in terms of words and stories. And um, and so it started with these word bubbles. And the first three that I came out with was Change Your Gratitude, which was a play on Change Your Attitude. So
1: cool. yeah.
2: yeah, Um, Because I Love You, Dummy, which is in reference to sort of being in a relationship with someone who doesn't seem to get in there's always sort of questioning why and like you need a reason there's no reasons because i love you dummy mm-hmm. and then the third one was um been there <laughs> please excuse my depression it has a mind of its own yeah. so good yeah yeah and, so good and the thing about that what was really interesting is uh the first night that i actually went out to paint, i was out with meg zaney she was working as my uh good as, old meg zaney yeah love she her. was she was working as my uh, lookout and i found out later that day that it just so happened that it was either world suicide prevention day or world mental health awareness day it was one of those two, yeah coincidentally wow. and and to be clear i was i was doing this out of sort of a dire need to be heard and to deal with my own stuff <clears throat> and what happened was within the first week or two i started getting messages on instagram really really early on from people um, responding to my art, especially the, please excuse my depression. It has a mind of its own. Um, that must've been pretty damn cool. Yeah, it was super cool. And, and, and really sort of drove home this thing that, Oh, Oh, this is for other, this isn't just me. This is a greater responsibility. Cause one of the sort of one of the early messages was from a kid who said, Hey, um, I just wanted to let you know I came across your art. Um, I tried to kill myself three times this year, and I just wanted you to know that your art let me know that I'm not alone in this world. Wow. So you're
1: you were going at it first as kind of like a therapeutic thing for yourself. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy cow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's some and response to this. People are holding on to this. Yeah, and, and I've never been a, a person who wanted to sort of take up a cause um, and activists. Or anything yeah, like look, that. I mean don't get me wrong I'm, I'm, I've been politically active in my life I'm a voter um, I, I believe in in what's right for the the greater good but this in particular was I was just dealing with my own stuff and when I realized really early on that, that it was touching people um, and opening up a conversation it dawned on me that because I've had these conversations with friends and family in my own life trying to explain depression trying to explain mental health and um, People were saying, you're opening the door for me to be able to talk yeah, about absolutely. something that I wasn't able to talk about.
1: You're putting a different kind of platform out there. Yeah. it's awesome, man.
2: Yeah, and then, you know, since then, obviously, there's been uh, a lot of unfortunate, really public uh, suicides. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, what?
0: first, before we get into the um, celebrity suicides, I guess, I kind of just want to... Uh, personally i've been through depression of course too uh i think most people have to be honest especially if you're american um to some degree definitely most I and say, you know yeah. you kind of started off by saying um there's a difference between sorrow and loss and uh, depression now um i definitely uh i can understand but everybody's different in the depression story you know um could you explain something? Because some people maybe they've never been through depression. You know, when
1: and, was you know what? I yeah. got a question. When was the first time you realized that you're different than most people and how you're like your depression? Like when was when was the first time you realized that you you deal with depression? How old were
2: you? Well, you about the the first tr- the 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 big one happened in two
0: thousand two. Um. I don't know. 15 years, over oh, 15 years ago. Yeah. So before and, that, it was,
2: um, you weren't really aware of it so much, you just... No, I, I, I know that I was moody, um, <laughs> but... Uh, we had different terms back then. Yeah. Um,
1: just to give people an idea, we have no idea how old you are. Um, just to give people a rough idea of about how old you are.
2: A rough idea. There's yeah. either a rough idea, or there's me telling you I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm 44 years old. Okay. Um, and so, Not you know, it was my, late, my era. But yeah, it, it was my these... it was my late 20s that had happened, and 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 sort of the difference between sort of, if you can call it your run of the mill depression, right? When 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 the, when you have a breakup or 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 a loss of someone, there is a an understandable grief You grief. Grief. Right. and, and it shows up as a depression where sort of clinical depression, which is one term for it. There's many terms for it. Right. Um, the way it, it sort of manifests is it's prolonged and ah. sort of continues. Uh, the way I describe mine and everybody is different is what ends up starting to happen is, um, an overwhelming sense of grief and, um, and being overwhelmed by sort of the state of the world and state of being and nothing makes sense, which led to, and actually I remember sharing this with you, Teach, before I did it, um, I created one that said, I don't want to kill myself, I just don't want to be here anymore. Right, right. And the really interesting thing about that piece is, people who have not suffered through any depression or been close to anybody with depression, their reaction to that is- Completely different. They are aghast. Oh my, how could, why would you, why would you ever put that out there? While anybody who's ever been through anything even close, even close to, to that, they look at me with this, yeah, no, yeah. I got you. You get the nod. Yeah. yeah. They're like, yeah, no, I get that. I, I've been there. I've suffered through that. And it's so distinct, the the difference between people who have been there and who haven't. And And to be honest with you, I didn't make it for the people that haven't, but- in a way, it is for them, too, because it starts a conversation. The best thing that has come out of me starting to do this is the many conversations that I've had with Absolutely. friends and family members. Lots of people have come up and said, I, I, I didn't even know that I could talk about this. Um, and I've, I've well, Stigma has been a bad stigma for way too long.
1: Yeah. You know, it's just like a, a sign of, um, you know, uh, weakness, you know, we're you know so shame, pl- weakness and shame. Yeah. When I was growing up, there wasn't all these terms, you know. Yeah. it was it was completely different and so that created a massive problem and so you know it's time to change that
0: sure Yet- Definitely. I mean, I think personally, uh, when I went through my bouts of depression, I mean, there's definitely sometimes a tragic event or something that sets it off. Right. And then you start kind of getting used to being in that state. And I like to describe it as like a dark cloud that kind of follows you everywhere you go. <laughs> you know, That's what I mean? pretty good. description. <laughs> yeah. it's pretty good analogy. I mean, you, to be honest, sometimes I think it's like a literal cloud because you'll meet some friends and they just notice this kind of gloom around you. Right. Like there's something different about you, man. Like, well, you I, carry yourself differently. Yeah, you your speak different. differently.
2: But, but that, I mean, that's sort of a blanket depression. I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah. sort of the general, that lost depression, that suffering depression. It's when it starts, um, extending out past sort of, I don't want to say normal cause there's no sort of normal mourning period yeah. or anything. Right. If you right. lose a family member, you it's understandable that you would be sad and, and be depressed. There's
1: some approximations though, like some rough approximations, like you know, and then when you are far exceeding those approximations, that's when it's, you know, that's when you start reaching the uh, certifiable or clinical, uh, clinical degrees. definitions of it. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I I describe it. I came up with an analogy for it, um, where it's sort of like a mixing board, where your life, if you look at sort of the dials on a mixing board. On any given day sort of the dials are dancing where your job may be a little louder and then your kids might be a little louder and they're sort of going up and down in these levels and what happens with depression for me is um it becomes sort of a fixated obsessive thing where that one thing goes to 11 and everything else dips to one so you you lose all interest in everything else in your life like i'm a big foodie I stopped eating. I lost uh, 35 pounds uh, last year, I think 35, 40 pounds, something like that over the course of my depression. And I love to eat and it made me angry that I didn't want to eat anymore
0: Some people start eating uh, the opposite direction right. <laughs> That's right, right. you know to, no.
2: they're like,
1: Oh, I feel really sorry for that <laughs> right. Oh, so bad, you lost 35 pounds <laughs> We well, you know what, I gotta tell you, you look healthy right now yeah. So what, were you a little overweight? Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've played with the idea
2: You're, of you, you. I've played with the idea of, of doing one that said uh, Depression looks good on me <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: Man, you know very what? few people though.
1: I don't know, very many other people that I could possibly say that depression you use it to your advantage with that one, pal. Right. You you've you made you look yourself look better, you drop some weight. That's awesome. A- 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 T- you know you? what?
0: I'm also a, a big believer that hey if you wanna if you wanna get a <laughs> good weight loss plan, I'm just saying I lost a gang of weight too, man, because oh, of man. because of depression. But you know what I also that or like,
2: Montezuma's revenge, like go to a go to a third world country and just start drinking the water.
0: Oh um, yeah, there's all sure. sorts of no, no, great no, no, ways no. to
2: lose weight in this world besides
0: dieting. but You you know, for me, like I said, I wanted to say the other way too, is because when I was in college, I was depressed, and you know, to be honest, uh, college is probably one of the worst times to be depressed in, (laughs) you know, because you're around, you're trying to find yourself out, Mm -hmm. and... uh, But it's understandable, people becoming overwhelmed, I, 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 the first, I remember
2: this really clear, the first uh, evening that I uh, checked into my dorms, I went to the grocery store to go shopping. And I was pushing my empty cart into the grocery store and I started crying oh, man. because I was overwhelmed by a couple of things. One, I didn't have anything. So I was starting from scratch, right? You don't have salt, you don't have pepper, you don't have a can of beans, <laughs> there's nothing. So I was overwhelmed by that and this, this uh, overwhelming sense of responsibility. Or myself Instead
1: of being like Woohoo Here I get to start with And do what I want I can with just this buy Cocoa and other, Krispies right? And do that oh. for the rest of my when life I, You
0: go off the other Pretty right? much what I I mean you know When I felt that college now, <laughs> like I said I just went the other way <laughs> starting fast food Drinking and drinking a lot Partying you know what I mean And like I said In college you don't You're not even understanding Yourself yet So you're, you're, yeah. you know, you're trying to fit in With different groups And you know in college I actually joined a, I was in a fraternity So pretty much You know My way to cope with that Was Hey,
2: don't be a pussy. Oh, man. (laughs) Right. And that gets back to what Teach was talking about, right? A a relationship with understanding mental health. I have the good fortune and the misfortune of uh, my stepdad's a therapist. So I was raised by a therapist. Uh, So, uh, yeah. I mean, well, he tried uh, with my brother and I early on, and and we weren't having any of it. Just (laughs) throw him off sometimes. Yeah. 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 No. uh, But, but, I know where but, you sleep, Dad. But understanding that that you know people are coming to him for help and having a relationship to sort of the mental health community in that way, I think has allowed me to be open and honest. I'm kind of an an open book in the sense like I don't uh, I don't hold things in. Like I talk about things when they're bothering me. Um, I don't I don't keep secrets. It's just it's it's unhealthy and I've I've seen uh, People who keep secrets who tell lies sort of it. It compounds that was one of Anthony
1: Sorry, that's one of Anthony Bourdain's problems from what I've heard was that, you know uh, He wasn't honest with with his struggles and he was wearing a mask You know most of the time and that's one of the things that kind of led to his downfall.
0: I feel very fortunate because. Yeah, let's talk about Tony for a second. Um, I mean go ahead and teach i just i was just going to say for
1: myself the 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 depression that i've dealt with is more of a uh bipolar situation um i have a close
0: family member that's bipolar as well too
1: my mom was pretty bad she had to go on medication um and luckily mine is not as bad Uh, i've been to a doctor and i've been checked out and everything and i was always concerned if it was going to get worse as i get older and from what the doctor says that you know most likely will not, you know, unless I, of course, do do some crazy drug or something like that. I'll do that to anybody, but um, you know, I've never had that um, the kind of depression that's debilitating, like you know, sitting on the couch for days in a row or anything like that. And Present. it's, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've I've never um, it's it's never really messed with my with my weight because I love eating so much. Um, so the the degree that I've dealt with is more annoying and frustrating i think than anything because sometimes it'll catch you know i won't even realize it until i'm in the midst of it you know and you know it's it's not where i need uh any kind of medication mind you um so it's just merely trying to keep a good awareness which actually the uh you know my children help with that you know um and my poor wife oh my gosh (laughs) you know some of the things that she's seen me go through and um and she always thinks that it's worse than it actually is, yeah. you know. Um, but luckily through, you know, getting better at communicating with her. Um,
0: it's, it's good you have a good support system, man. I mean, I think, I think that's the key at the end of the day to uh, lifting yourself out of that depression hole in a sense. I mean, if you Well, not
1: really. I mean, it depends on your degree and you, what you're dealing with. You could have no, all this support in the world and it's not going to help at it's, all.
2: It definitely has something to focus on. It, yeah. it helps, you know... Oh. <laughs> it helps um, having something to focus on um, because it takes you outside of yourself. That was one thing that I, I really desperately for me, actively yeah, looked for.
1: <laughs> that's one That was Soju sponsor running to get us some product right mm-hmm. there. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um,
2: that, that's something that I, that I uh, really actively looked for when, uh, in, in 2017 was um, something to focus my attention on besides my depression. And I looked for something that w- would take all of my attention. And, and what was interesting was, um, reading, I started reading voraciously because, um, I'm also ADD, uh, or ADHD. <clears throat> and, and so it's either I focus on one thing or I don't focus on anything. Got um, so it. it's sort of like if I'm watching TV and somebody's talking, I can't do both. right. And even not talking to me, if they're talking to somebody else, I have to stop watch and just because my attention gets split, at, which then leads to that
1: makes your depression a different monster in the way you got to deal with it, right? yeah, yeah.
2: yeah and, I mean... and 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 but also, when I started the street art stuff, um you know, learning from from you and wordsmith the the stencil technique. Uh, cutting a stencil is really meditative. For
1: oh my me. God, it is so therapeutic. You have a
2: sharp <laughs> blade in your hand, and you can't really focus on anything else except what's right in front of you. Yeah. And that also <laughs> helped. Yeah, because absolutely. It's it's again, it's that or nothing.
0: Yeah. For me, I mean personally, I I totally understand uh, how, where art is therapeutic. Basically, um, I actually wish i had painted and stuff like that i mean this, this is oil this is, i did my first oil painting recently I, I painted a picture of a a gorilla with headphones draping an american flag around himself and then uh with los angeles in the background i'll show it to you in a second C- congratulations and it was so it was so peaceful man i, I was mean am gonna ask you was it a therapeutic thing was it, a, a yeah. was it frustrating at I mean, all you know what Were you i trying to accomplish something and weren't getting it or well i kind of well actually, actually let, me, let me just go into this bit i guess and the main thing is you know i'm an artist and a musician mainly right and the main thing is you know especially in the asian culture like especially if you make music and people don't understand it they pretty much won't give you any respect until you're rich and famous <laughs> oh man you know, you know so tough the thing culture, is like love, yeah huh? exactly so i mean uh drawing for example is it's hey here's talent bam look at it you, you know i mean you can be the judge of it for yourself so actually uh for my father's birthday actually i painted him a. Uh, uh my first oil painting basically you you know i mean kind of just like hey check this out you know i i can can do this you know it it was fun and what i loved about oil painting is that you can kind of if you made a mistake just glob more oil on it you you know you know i mean that's why you have time time to change it yeah you have time (laughs)
2: spray paint it's additive yeah yeah. you can cover cover it up with yeah
0: personally i mean if if i had a stencil stencil, and i was cutting a stencil you know if i was super depressed i might jab myself in the eye with it you know do something (laughs) crazy yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I know what you mean. Different rules. Exactly. Right? You I I I, I <laughs>
2: exactly. people, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know I'm, I know I know, I know, I know I you mean. joke but but sort of the the difference that I explain to people and it's it comes back to the thing about uh I, I don't want to kill myself. I, I just don't want to be here anymore. Um is is the distinction between being suicidal and having suicidal ideation. Okay. Um because when you're going through um the process of seeking help um one of the it, it sort of if you explain the depths of your depression with any of the facilities, what happens is it triggers sort of a series of questions that they have to ask you, mm-hmm. and and it starts with, um, are you thinking about hurting yourself or hurting others? Do you have the means, way, and a plan to do that? What about and, fleeting and,
0: thoughts, though? I mean, <clears throat> what about fleeting thoughts? Yeah. So
2: that's that's where you get into suicidal ideation. A lot of people have had these thoughts of maybe it'd be better if I wasn't here anymore, but
0: or but, I want to see what's after this kind of stuff
2: yeah, but but you don't you don't start forming a plan for it. Okay. It's, right It's a fleeting thought. You're like, what if I wasn't here anymore? what What would my quote unquote life be like after this life?
1: You don't think about um, the actual process of going through dying and right and you take. don't
2: start planning out okay, okay. the the steps of, of doing it. And so that was always my response because one of the things that I ran into um, in seeking help was how difficult it is to actually get help. Unfortunately, the mental health system in in Los Angeles, um, and, and I'm guessing elsewhere, is overtaxed. They just don't have the uh, ability to handle the capacity of... Um,
1: they don't have the resources. Of
2: disorders. Yeah, they don't have the resources. And there's some phenomenal facilities um, in Los Angeles. I remember one I called, and I'm not going to call them out, but... It's one of the the top sort of public mental health facilities, and I called them, and we had this back and forth. You know, are you planning on hurting yourself? And I said, I don't want to kill myself. I just don't want to be here anymore. And they said, okay, <clears throat> we can see you in six weeks. What? And and to, to six sort of weeks. Yeah. So to, to to wrap your head around that, you have to realize someone just asked if you're going to kill yourself, and then they say that's we can see so you in six weeks. Wrong. Right. And it, and it's sort of like well, that's not. I don't. I, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to be here in six weeks. Um,
0: that's really, that's really brave of you, to. I mentioned that, man. I mean, like yeah. that mentality. A lot of people, yeah, you know. They, okay, they, so. A lot like that, man. So that's
2: cool. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. And look, I, 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 um, I was able to, to go find uh, private help. But it, I don't, I don't leave that behind, that idea of there are people just like me that don't have the, um, the opportunity to seek private counseling. Um, and so I've started reaching out to, uh, to different, uh, facilities and I'm actually working with the DD Hirsch foundation now, which is a major, uh, mental health, uh, uh, program organization here in Southern California. They have a bunch of facilities. Um, and actually just last week I was out working with their kids and teens and doing some art programming with them. And I'm painting some murals uh, in their facility, which is, yeah, which it's so rewarding being able to to give back and and help and and sort of look in the eyes of the kids and see sort of a spark of there is something you know something else that we can do with what we're feeling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're giving them some more resources,
0: something else to think about. Yeah,
2: and gives them sort of a, yeah an idea of oh I could I could turn this energy into something.
0: Yeah, I mean you know. One thing that I got to thank both of you guys, man, just being street artists, I mean, you know, you guys are putting your stuff out there and uh, just for people to enjoy, man, man. I always said street art is like a gift. You walk down the street and it's like, boom, you see it. Now with social media, it has even farther reach, you know. And uh, uh, especially Trusty, I mean, your, your stuff we were talking about this last episode with Colette, um, it's interactive. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's, so it's almost, smart. It's a yeah, very, it's, very, very
1: wise thing to do.
0: It's literally like made for social media, not almost. But that helps, you know what so I mean? That helps yeah. get the message out there. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, not in a, a contrived way, but, you, you know what I mean? But just, and also I like the messages that you, sometimes they're a, l- a little bit like, Make you think um, like opposite uh, statements. Sometime.
2: Well, <laughs> he was an irony.
0: Well, yeah. you know, it was it was
2: great because Teach reached out to me. God, this was probably six up, right? months ago. Yeah, that cool. thing's been riding for a long time. I'm, is I'm it always still ama- It's still up.
1: I'm, okay, so I'm, I'm still trusting. In. I did a, a little collaboration, and uh, it uh, the the spot where we got it up. Where is it? It's on Dante Coffee on uh,
2: on on Beverly.
1: Okay. And so the night we're going over there and putting this thing up, like at this point, um, I usually just do boxes. Yeah. Um, and, and it has to be like a permission wall, like, you know, um, or like a messed up wall or something like that. And this wall looked pretty nice, you know, so I was a little hesitant about yeah. this, um, you know, because he said there's been some pieces up there and they've been buffed and everything.
2: Well, no, there had been pieces up on, on, on Dante and they let them ride for a really long time. There was a hijack piece. There was a Meg piece. And then I joined them um, with, I think, please excuse. No, I, I joined them with a change of gratitude. And those three rode for months and months and months. Mm-hmm. And then one day they, they buffed the wall. But it was up there for months. And then that wall sat clean for maybe a month or two.
1: Okay, so (laughs) that's what I was going to say. The the fact that it was clean for a while and it had been buffed, um, you know, that usually means that, okay, it's not really welcome there, possibly anymore, is my point, I guess. And so, um, you know, we... uh, (laughs) I was a little bit sketched out, I guess, you know, a little bit more than normal. Um, But, uh, you know, we got it up, and um, no problems, no cops or anything. And uh, it...
2: (laughs) How long ago was that now? I want to say that was November, so it's almost nine eight or, eight or nine months. So, no, it's yeah, about eight eight months we did it. So it was before Christmas, that's why Eeyore's wearing a Santa hat. Oh that's so,
1: right. What he's is Eeyore saying, <laughs> so, yeah, so the image is um is Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. I don't know if anyone knows what Winnie the Pooh is, but it's uh, an old cartoon from I, maybe some people still know of it, but back when I was a kid, it was really popular.
2: It's like 100 years old, isn't it? Yeah.
1: But there's characters, and each character in this um, cartoon kind of represents different um, child archetypes and, yeah, and states of being, and Eeyore is the one that has the dark cloud. He's a manic know, depressive. He's a manic depressive, so um, I thought it might be a cool little collaboration with uh, with Trusty, and so I you know hit him up, and um, he was like, yeah, man, let's get this done, and so when, when, you know when we, once we got it down and everything, I'm like, cool, you know this will probably last a day, maybe two days a week. I'll be happy if this lasts a week, you know A couple people get
2: some photos, yeah, it gets up there, and then
1: cut to i don't know, was that a few days ago or whatever you tagged me again for like the i don't know thirty 40 fiftieth time Yeah, people keep, people put people it up. keep
2: posting it, and especially with what's and happened in the past week or so.
1: Trustee is very good about saying, yeah, this is a collaboration between teacher and I, you know. And they're like, oh, this is awesome. This is great. You know, and then you get a couple of new followers, new people appreciating your things, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what the collaboration is, is it's Eeyore sort of looking over his shoulder with that sad look on his face. And above him is the word bubble that says the state of depression is lovely this time of year. That's right, and we did it at Christmas because it was, you know, Christmas time. He's wearing. And and around the holidays is when when suicide rates when suicide rates go up, and when when depression really sort of sets in on people who are having a hard time, whether financially or feeling alone or isolated. But here in LA, it's pretty much year round. (laughs) Yeah, and that piece just that that piece. Not only does that piece just ride, nobody else is painted on that wall. That's what kind of you know.
0: That's when you know people feel like it's almost sacred. You, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like. Uh, and
2: you don't want to jinx it. You're like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still like it's almost. You almost don't want to talk about it. You're like. It's, yeah. Psst, that's, psst, it's still writing. That's
1: another like, thing about don't, the don't uh, about graffiti and street art. Uh, maybe some of you don't realize is that, you know, when you get a piece up. It's a nice piece. Um, if it's in a an area that is not around other street art and it's a prolific spot and it's you know, the, it has meaning to what, what it's, you know, the the location, then, you know, that's awesome. But as soon as someone gets up a piece next to you, that's called, you know, spot jocking, And it it does what's called bringing the buff. And (laughs) (laughs) that means that everything gets painted over. You know, you get one piece up there, it looks nice, and then all of a sudden everyone else starts putting pieces up around it. Then all of a sudden it's not so, you know, profound anymore. And then here comes the buff, which means they just paint over it that L.A. gray. Um, but, yeah, this piece is...
2: Uh, <laughs> I Honestly, uh, if it makes it to next Christmas...
0: That would right? be amazing, man. That'd I be mean, that would be epic. <laughs> it ride for a long, while. Yeah. time. <laughs> it's
1: art. Oh, and then there's been times where... Like some very famous people
2: have taken pictures and then they don't mention who it belongs yeah. to. So it's funny because I, um, I, did, I did these six-foot Oscars um, right before the Oscars. I probably put about a hundred oh, of dude, them I up. I
1: love those Oscar I pieces. I
2: put probably a hundred of them up around L.A. And in the bottom where the person's name would be on the Oscar statue, it says "Trusty scribe. <laughs> and, um, and it's been reposted. There's actually still I think about nine of them. Still riding around the city. Nice. And so people are still uh, posting in. I've gotten messages from people that say, you know, I've stood in front of your piece weeping. Um, I actually, um, for my meditation series, connected with this young girl who was in town visiting um, because she has a set of rare diseases. And she's the only person in the world that has uh, this medical condition. And she posted my words, and we started a back and forth. And uh, I talked to her, her mom and her and and met up with them just hours before they flew home to take photos of her to make a piece for my meditation series and wrote a piece specifically for her. That's and it was so through cool. that relationship of her coming across these Oscars. But the reason I bring up the Oscars is because the names down there, what some people have done is they've intentionally put a box over Trusty scribe at the bottom. There was a follower, some, uh, I think it was a a Disney (laughs) girl who had like three or four million followers. She put something right over the Trusty scribe thing so that people wouldn't see who it was from, which I found Uh, so bizarre. Like from another artist. So wrong. A a, a couple of other artists or actors or musicians have done that. Topher Grace posted one of my pieces and didn't credit it. And people I think called him out and still, no mention. Yeah.
0: Barry can credit, uh, you know, Colin Miller. <laughs> That's what he said last la- last week. Okay. So I-
2: oh, did did yeah. she she posted and didn't credit Colette? Oh no no she, she did. did. Oh okay. Yeah, We're just
1: saying, saying if she if. if <laughs> right. Halle Berry. If can Halle do Berry it, can do it, you did can is, Okay. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Got it. You know what? Can you just do me a favor and read this one right here? Yeah, this is one of the the uh, right um, Oscar we'll pieces. And basically, let me just describe the, what it looks like, and then I want him to read it, okay? It's, it's an outline, you know, the Oscar is kind of sprayed like a silhouette. And he's got gold around the top and black around the bottom. And then on the inside, these are the words. Please trust him.
2: For all the storms you've weathered, all the heartbreaks you've suffered, all the physical and emotional scars you carry, all the setbacks, the bruises, the failures and defeats, these are the things that make you whole and complete. This is what makes you beautiful and unique. You are not alone. You are loved. You are golden. And on the bottom. That's, that's awesome. It says Trusty scribe. And then. I like a little the little bit. word says, bubble. You've, You've already won. won. And then I did another uh, six foot Oscar that just down the middle says, You've already won.
0: That's
2: awesome. Man. So cool. I mean, Thanks. Uh,
0: Trusty, can I ask you real quick, just to take a step back? I mean, are you originally. Where, where are you originally from? I mean. San Francisco. San Francisco. Okay. okay. So California, that's awesome. Yeah. And Lucky fucker. When, when did you. <laughs> I've been you're in LA though for 20 bitches. years. 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: was born in Florida and I had to escape. <laughs>
0: well, you
2: escaped, lucky fucker. <laughs> well,
0: some people would say they got to escape from uh, San Francisco too. I have a lot of friends that. Thanks, feel man. Like uh, you know, San Francisco is a little bubble sometimes. I know you've been down here for 20 years, so you're obviously a Los Angelino now. You, you know what I mean? Or from Los Angeles, uh, or whatever. We don't really have a nice, cool name. You, you know, Angelinos.
2: I right, So how did a, you? Uh, Angelino, yeah.
1: How long were you in San Francisco? And when did you leave?
2: Well, I was there till I was eighteen. Okay. <clears throat> um, went went uh, abroad for about a year and then moved down here. Abroad, I went to Israel for oh, for not a woman. You a went to another after, country. Yeah, um, after high school, I went to Israel. Whoa! And then went back to San Francisco and then moved down to LA. And I was wait, like, wait,
1: how long were you in Israel?
2: Six months, seven months.
1: That's whoa, Okay, like that will that,
0: change it, man.
1: That's enough time to change religions like three times. <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> sure, I didn't. I, where, where in Israel were you? Um, sort of all around. I spent some time in Jerusalem. I spent some time in a kibbutz, um, sort of halfway between uh, Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, uh, and then traveled around a bit. So you were just basically traveling? No, I was in a, in a, in a program, an education program Oh, there. okay. Um, but it, you know, it, it wasn't for me. When I got out of high school, all I really wanted to do was be left alone. To be perfectly honest, I wasn't ready to go to college um, and, and was sort of given an ultimatum. You either go to college or you go to Israel. And my brother was going abroad to, to take his junior year abroad in Israel. And I was like, fine, I'll go to Israel. <clears throat> and, you know, at, at that age, you're just sort of like, whatever, we'll find a thing and I'll go. And I went and what I didn't uh, realize was that the program that I had signed up for was really for people who weren't ready to be on their own I guess Whereas My brother being on his junior year Would you abroad, have chaperones or something? Yeah you Oh chaperones. no Yeah so oh. So like, Where are you going? It was, it was Is that worse a than condom that. in your pocket? What are you doing we, with that? We got taken We got to, I remember we got taken to the beach one day And they were like You can't go in the water And I was like You've taken us to the beach What I um, and my brother was there studying abroad, and basically was living in dorms and went to class or didn't go to class. He did whatever he wanted, and so I they would be like, "You can't do this and that." And I was like, "Well, no, I'm going to sleep in, and then I'm going go with my brother to the old city. We're going to have lunch. I might come and take a nap, and then I'm going." Like I didn't, I didn't want to be told what to do. Um, and still finding yourself at that time, right? I'm still finding myself now. I love it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I haven't settled on anything. Okay. Um, and uh, and. And and left the program early, but what I got out of it was um, two of my dearest friends in the world I met on that program, and and still um, still close with them today. But wow. yeah, I, I I've That's always awesome. had. An okay, so when you came back from Israel, um, I, I I moved down to Los Angeles, and so I was here for about ten years. Uh, I went to school down here, and then I was working in the film industry, and and got burnt out. And I don't slipped,
1: understand how that could happen.
2: Getting burnt out <laughs> in the homeless. Yeah. And, but then slipped into my first real true big depression and took about a year of my life that just, I couldn't shake my way out of <clears throat> and not to be overly traumatic. Um, I was sitting on the floor of my apartment and had this weird sort of thing where I, there was, I had a knife and I sort of lunged towards it. Like, I'm like, fuck this, I'm done. And recoiled in horror. And, And, and had this moment of like, it's either take your own life or sell everything you own. And it Mm -hmm. was either the Sharpie or the knife. And I started pricing my stuff to go that day. And I was like, I'm getting out of here.
0: What year was this? I mean, was this when you started? 2002. Okay, 2002. Yeah.
2: And And so I left here at the end of 2002, I think uh, it was November. I, I packed up what little stuff I had left. I went back to San Francisco. And then from there I took a one way ticket to Vietnam. Oh, and then, uh, and then that, I mean, that's a whole other, th- 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll the about, adventures, we'll about the, the about in Vietnam, yeah, I mean, it was Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, okay, Thailand, Malaysia, East, yeah. and then on to the UK to and for a bit here, uh, so it was, uh, wow. It was cool it was yeah. Fun, so. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, but one of the, the most transformative things that happened for me while I was traveling was, um, i did a 10-day vow of silence meditation at a buddhist monastery Whoa. and it was that i mean talk about transformative and, and finding other religions and yeah it was it was i did not i did not but i was shaving my head at the time so i, just, I had a
0: i had a, a i had a friend who uh became a monk as well too for for a little bit for a uh uh, some type of funeral process, basically, uh, in their culture they had to, and yeah, they couldn't talk for very long yeah. too. Um, how was it as a Westerner? I mean, going to it, Asia it, and doing uh, something.
2: It was amazing, but to, to be clear, I didn't become a Buddhist. I didn't become a mm-hmm. monk. Um, I just did that ten-day vow of silence at at a Buddhist monastery and, and followed sort of their rules. Um, and there was all sorts of weird and funny stuff. But uh, it was uh, traveling through the countries was was. Fine. It was interesting because I bought a motorcycle in northern Vietnam and rode uh, through the country for a couple months where most people were traveling either by train or by bus. And oh, wow. because I was traveling by motorcycle, I was going through towns where buses and trains don't stop. So Ooh. I was the only white face oh, absolutely. in some of these towns. You went and from south
0: to north or north yeah. to south?
2: I went from north to south. Okay. okay. And um, I remember there was this one town that I stopped in and I was absolutely the only white face there and and I'm pretty sure most of the people had not seen uh, a white person before and I have you know hair on my body I have hair on my arms and people would walk by me sort of looking the other direction, but drag the hands <laughs> along my arm to feel the hair on my arms and pretend like they weren't doing it, like I couldn't see them. If they looked away, I, could, they, I couldn't see them. It was, It, would it happen doesn't count if motorcycle. I'm not looking. Yeah, it would happen on my motorcycle. I'd be at a stoplight and someone would come up and just touch me from a scooter next to me. <laughs>
1: I have to see what the white man's hair feels like. Right,
2: right because there, they didn't have body hair. Oh my um my Yeah, but no. But uh, people, for the most part, were, were wonderful and, and and amazing. Whether it was Vietnam or Cambodia, uh, Laos, Thailand, w- wherever I went, people for the most part. I mean, you're always going to run into unpleasant people, but for the most part people were amazing. And I, I, every really country's tra- got
1: their unpleasant people.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny. I always joke that like when people go traveling, they're like, uh, if, if you're going to go from whatever country you live in to another country, people are like, Oh, it's dangerous. You should get a fanny pack and wear a thing with your money and, and keep it. And it's like, you understand that people in those countries keep money in their pocket. They're just not <laughs> idiots about how they walk through the world. Like be respectful of where you're going, pay attention, yeah. yeah, and for when the I most part, you'll bad. be fine.
0: I, uh, I wear a pair of shorts underneath my pants, and I put my wallet inside my shorts.
2: <laughs> do you do that? Do you do that here? <laughs>
0: No, I'm saying if I go, I go to some sketchy places sometimes.
2: <laughs> right, but do you ever do that here when you go to quote-unquote sketchy places here?
0: No, 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 no. But I, I've been, I don't take that you know, with so me. So check this yeah. out. So check this out. It's because I actually have a second wallet that I carry a little bit of uh, cash inside. The main reason is because my my coworkers and friends have been robbed, let's say in the same Brazil or from Sao Paulo, right? You, you know, something crazy like that. You, you know what I mean? And the thing is, like, it's better to give them something. And then you still got all your shit. <laughs> you that's know what I mean? smart. Yeah, the decoy know. wallet. Yeah, exactly. You have a giveaway. I don't know. That just sounds really
2: uncomfortable. Well, Wearing two pairs of shorts. I mean, look, it's hot right now, right? It's hot here in LA. It can get muggy and humid in some of the places you go. To. Having a couple layers of clothing on sounds really uncomfortable. Uh.
0: Socks, shorts. You know? <laughs> but anyway, like I said, if you're in another country, man, I'm telling you, if you're, especially if you're partying, you, you know what I mean? Like you're in a crowded place. I, you know, that's what I'm saying. Of- but like, I like to do kind of. Yeah a little bit sketchy things when I go to other countries. So you you got to be careful on, the, on that kind of stuff. You, you, you know, but no, I feel
2: Attention you, feds, he likes to do sketchy things when he goes to other countries. Let's let go. Yeah. Obviously don't have kids. <laughs> I
0: don't
2: have kids. I used and to be the, the same I used to feel the same thing. I'm going to yeah, do I, something. I, I want
0: to do something sketchy. Yeah, exactly, right. man. <laughs> I want to see how the locals kick it. That, that, that's, yeah. that's my thing. But going back, man, I really want to kind of talk a little bit more about your art because um, first of all, I uh, street art. You guys have done some collabos Together. When did you start doing um, uh, street art or at least the tr- concept of you prescribed?
2: Um, last uh, September. It was, it was, yeah, it was about okay, it's last September. Of that, after, <laughs> yeah, States. it's become, it's become, it's taken on a life of its own. It's sort of eclipsed everything else that I've been doing in my life. Like I got hired by Warner Brothers Music Group to, to do some work with them. Um, um, and it was interesting. I was actually, the pe- person that hired me is actually out of the UK. Okay. And she saw my work online and reached out to um, uh, a guy whose uh, handle is
0: uh,
2: Impermanent Art. And he sort of photographs everything. We love
0: Freddie. Yeah. We shout we out love, to Fred. Yeah. We he always <coughs> comments on our uh, social media. And like I said, we're all one big family. I yeah. just
1: got to take a second and shout out to Fred at Impermanent Art. What a great guy. You know,
0: yeah. I mean? get him on the podcast, man. Seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Really, really great guy. What do you guy. think, Freddie? Come
2: on, man. We so, love you, dude. So okay, they contacted him, and said, "Hey, um, do you? Uh, we're looking for an artist to do this this street art therapy thing. Um, do you know Trusty Scribe?" And he was like, well, as a Matter of fact, I do. Uh, we're we're friends." So you said this. You said this so 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 they had reached out to him for me. I don't know why they didn't contact me directly. Yeah. Send me a message. Send me a DM, um, and so they reached out to him, and he connected us, and and I went and, and did some work with uh, Warner Brothers Music Group. Um, yeah, so it's it it really has sort of eclipsed everything else. And now, as I said, I'm working with the D.D. Hirsch Foundation. I just did an installation at a music studio up in Hollywood. Um, yeah, it, the opportunity. Oh, I got a, I got coming. a little
1: quick story um, that I guarantee you like never happens. Okay, okay. so we're at the Fairfax High School one day because I'm doing a project with the students there and, and um, trustees along with me. And um, we're uh, just standing there talking and we started talking about Fred with Impermanent Art. And <laughs> all of a sudden, right across the street, Fred pulls up on a scooter, okay? And, and we're like, dude, we were just talking about him. Look, there he is right there. And we start yelling his name. We start, and he doesn't hear us, okay? He takes his helmet off, and he goes over, and he's taking a picture, okay? And he's taking a picture of trusty's piece. And we're just <laughs> standing just there sort of t- yelling at him. And he's like, yeah, hey, Freddy, Freddy. Finally, he turns around, and he's like, oh, my God,
2: you know? <laughs> he was, he was, it was funny because he was slightly embarrassed that he had gotten caught photographing my, like, that we just happened to be standing there.
0: No, but that's, honestly, that, that's,
2: We've been waiting <laughs> for you. Finally, thank you. I finally you made now? it onto the impermanent art Instagram account.
0: No, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I just think that your art touches a lot of people. I mean, you know, it's relatable, and I really want to kind of. I get think back. it's
1: awesome that the dude set out to help himself, you know, to try to help himself, and he's ended up helping so many
0: others. Oh yeah, I mean. You know, let's go back to talking about some of the celebrity suicides. Uh, uh, we talked a little bit about Tony Bourdain. I mean, uh, I'm a fan of his show. Uh, it's not just Tony Bourdain for the women. Kate Spades, she's touched a lot of people, uh, Avicii, Chris Cornell. I mean, it, what is, it seems, Chester. It, Chester, it seems seriously, I'm getting choked up just thinking about all these like people that have affected my,
2: just, so on, on a, on a, on a sort of a bigger, uh, scale. People always have this sort of reaction of, you know, why them? Their life was so great, or we would never expect that from them. They had everything. Yeah. Um, and on a, on a sort of a smaller scale, when people... Depression when don't I talk, care
1: how much money you have.
2: Depression doesn't <laughs> care about uh, social standing, race, religion, age. It, it doesn't Very discriminate. Rude. Mental health doesn't discriminate. Very rude. Um, and, and people would meet me and they'd say, oh, you seem really friendly and, and happy. And I'm like, yeah, that, Exactly
1: isn't we're not the, always
2: like this
0: but also you know? sometimes
2: you you're, we're overcompensating yeah
0: yeah and you know, um, your true friends they can always see through it <laughs> you, you know, not, 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 so not really. No, not no, always yeah, 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 not, not really right. not always i had, i actually had
2: people when i started coming out of it um and, and started talking about it again. Cause when I'm in the midst of it, I don't, you don't really want to reach out to people. You don't want to reach out and ask for it. It really is one of the hardest things to do is to ask for help. And that's, what, and that's why
1: I want to talk about it earlier when you're trying to get help and having problems. Sorry,
2: so, go ahead. Yeah. So early on when it happened, because I had been through it before it, um, I felt it sort of wrapping its arms around me and, um, immediately sought help immediately because I saw it coming. And it was like a runaway bus. I, I, I tried as hard as I could to stop it, but there was no stopping it.
0: So, can, can you kind of go into, um, you know, how they helped you?
2: So um, I, I, I did a couple of things. Um, I... No. I mean, yes, I told them what was going on. Um, but no, I mean, if, you, family members should not treat uh, one another. Um, Agreed. but, um, wh- so what I did was I, I went and sought, um, counseling and was, uh, was put on medication and uh, look, I want, I want to be very clear about something. Um, I- what I say about what my treatment was is not necessarily right for everyone. There's so so you need to, you need to, to, to be seen by a professional, and, and follow a course that is, is right for you. What I did was I, I got into therapy and we had a long conversation <clears throat> about the different medication options that were out there and I got on a medication. Um, and, and what that helped me do was start to balance out and take the edges off of the real sort of dire um, um, feelings of, of sorrow and depression and, and bleakness and that sense of, uh, hopelessness. Um, because that's what ends up happening. Everything becomes sort of hopeless and pointless. Um, so I started on that course with a plan again for me, a plan to, to eventually wean myself off and under the guidance of a doctor, not just, I'm going to wean myself. I was clear to the doctor. I don't want to be on medication my entire life. With the knowledge that this will be with me forever. Absolutely. This forever. is not something that I... That it doesn't I, go away. Yeah, it's, it's not going to go away, but it's something that I, can, that, that I will hopefully be able to manage. And, and, I, tools. and, and I continue to be in therapy. At, at the depths of it, I was going to therapy twice a day. Wow. Um, I'm, twice a day. Uh, twice a week. Okay. Um, but um, I'm, I am I'm now go once a week, and I'm still trying to get to sort of the root of, of the cause for my depression why do i slip into depression and other people don't right like trying to trying to figure that out and uh, whether i get an answer or not i know where some of the root things of would of you say it was my, e- it's
1: <clears throat> easier to have other people helping you deal with it than your friends
2: um yeah you know i've talked to other people that that have suffered and one thing that they get is their friends are sort of like get over it yeah, and it's people that, that haven't suffered. And and again, one of the great things that I got out of my uh, suffering through was being able to talk to friends who have siblings or loved ones or friends who are suffering and, and, and giving them a little clarity on how to deal with their yeah. loved one. And yeah. it's because... I've heard a lot of times people go, I tell them I love them and I tell them how wonderful they are and they just don't get it. And I say, yeah, I say, number one, it's not, it's it's not about you. They do hear that you love them, but that's not the magic bullet. That's not the thing that's just gonna snap them out of it and all of a sudden, oh, oh you love me? Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay now. Right. And 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 so I say, just keep loving them. Honestly, hang out with them and do stuff, don't talk about their depression go bowling or sit and watch a movie with them or listen to music. Or Whatever you do,
1: do not try to cheer them up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Trying to cheer them up or talk about the, and look, if they want to talk about the depression, talk about it or talk about what's, what's bothering them or ailing them, let them, it, it is not an easy road. And the other, the other part of this is if you are um, married to someone or in a relationship with someone who is suffering, um, th- there's also that, the partner needs help. People don't take into consideration yeah, you can't that, solve that the problem. person that is the closest to someone, a, a husband of a wife or a wife of You're a husband know you who's suffering, you need to get help yourself Yeah, because it is taxing on a relationship and on an individual to be there side by side with someone who's going through this because it is not easy. I know that I am not an easy person I'm not an easy person to be around, period, but I'm not an easy person to be around when I'm in my depression because there is no snapping me out of it.
1: Yeah. And your partner is going to not know um, the professional correct thing to do. They're just going to do what they feel is the right thing to do and what they think is going to cause the right thing to happen, not knowing that a lot of times it could make it worse. You know, like I wish you could feel better. Well, guess what?
2: Right. So do I. You know, and, but, but it's also it's so I've encouraged people who I've talked to. I've talked to a spouse who's, you know, um, their their significant other was suffering. And I said, you know, I can see the toll that it's taking on you. You should probably go talk to somebody yourself. Most definitely. And and
0: it by itself can bring on depression, actually, People, yeah. you know, sometimes it's like a tragic event, but sometimes it could just be stress. Yeah. You know, I mean, you have too many things ripping you few different directions and then you kind, of, you're, you kind of just shut off and don't do anything. I've seen that happen quite a bit to a lot of people. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so I, I have the good fortune of also, yeah. uh, and they're, they're uh, yeah. teach and I also share, uh, something else in common. Um, we both practice transcendental meditation which specifically oh, so much is designed to help with stress
0: management-hmm and a it's a little bit different um, I do martial arts but you know lately I've just been kind of slacking on that and doing yoga just because it's so effective you get this sort of you kind of just calm your nerves in a sense for yoga I'm sure it's, there's something can you go into a little bit about uh, the type of meditation you just for the audience?
2: Yeah. So transcendental meditation is a daily, is an awesome, uh, (laughs) twice a day practice. Once in the morning, once in the afternoon, evening, uh, 20 minutes at a time. You, um, are given a personal mantra, which you silently, uh, utilize as sort of the key to transcending into your meditative state. It is, yes, everyone's mantra is different. You don't share your mantra with anyone. And, um, it helps uh alleviate stress um and uh what
1: it does i think um because i do transcendental meditation as well it's made a huge difference in my life um i think that the mantra again you're not saying this out loud the mantra you're just saying it in your mind and um i think what it does is it kind of helps your mind to not get stuck on one thing you know because no matter what what you're you're trying to do is you're trying to focus on nothing during these meditation moments, like absolutely nothing. And it's impossible. You're always going to have thoughts coming in there. So that mantra, you know, once you've gotten relaxed, um, as much as you can, and you still, you know, you use that mantra just to focus on that one word over and over and over and over again, then believe it or not, almost any thought that you had alongside there is going to start drifting away. Different people are going to have different things. Right, that and that's
2: a, that's a different practice. And mindfulness is a totally different thing than transcendental meditation. But one thing that I want to to uh, say is that transcendental meditation is n- non religious, non denominational. Yeah. Anybody who does it, if you are a, a devout Buddhist, a devout Christian, It'll a devout, make you even Jew, or a devout Muslim, whatever, it, it helps enhance uh, your connection to God and your relationship. So Absolutely. it really is for everyone.
0: Uh, lumped into like a religious thing of, of some sort. But I mean, you know, even before I play a show, I just try to calm my nerves. I, I call it calming, calming my nerves, you know? Right. Just just sit and do nothing for a little bit. Just because, you know, some people, they drink to deal with it, right? Before the show, the nerves and things like that. Uh, You know, I know a lot of DJs that meditate before shows. Super. I used to have
1: some serious road rage to to the point where there was about two months where I got out of my car about five times, you know, ready to do whatever. Luckily, you know, nothing was ever, nothing ever happened. Um, But the meditation has completely taken that away. I still have the thoughts. But mind you, before, if you would asked me if I can guarantee you that I'm not going to get out of my car, I wouldn't have been able to guarantee you. <laughs> Whereas now, you know, I can guarantee you I'm not going to get out of my car. Unless someone else has gotten out of their car and they're coming towards me and I got to defend myself. But Well, and see, anyone can have a gun, too. And so that's exactly, yeah. another reason why you never want to get out of your car. That's why I say I was very fortunate. You know, any one of these people, if they would have had a gun, bye bye. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't matter how big you are or anything like that. But the, to the, the meditation really, um, you know, now here's the thing. It's not a cure-all, you know what I mean? It, it's not going to cure your depression. Um, it hasn't cured my, you know, my, my struggles with depression. But it has made me more mindful of them and more aware of when I'm actually struggling.
2: Yeah, you can take, it helps you take stock. It slows things down a little Absolutely. bit. And to be clear, I, nobody here is saying that. That Transcendental Meditation Is a cure for anything
1: Yes it is <laughs> It cured me I'm like Superman now I have sex with 10 girls a day You want to be me Dude who was that?
2: <laughs> the guy, you are not welcome t- back here Whoever that was Man. You're not welcome back here you guys are fools Get out of here Get out of here man and he was so, so I kinda, It's
0: been an hour So I kind of Just want to wrap it up And kind of Let's just talk A little bit On the bright side About um, some things That have helped you Personally Kind of get out of it um, Personally I, I mentioned earlier Painting um, But you know I think at the end of the day One of the main things That pulled me out Of my last uh, Little spout of depression Is like I kind of uh, Admitted to myself That I was an artist Okay I, I've always tried to be a, You know I went to college to school And things like that And you know I always felt like Man, I didn't. I'm doing this. I don't. I don't really like what I'm doing. But you know, I got to work on my passions as a side hobby. One of the things I, you know, came to terms with is that hey. I'm an artist, I'm a musician, this is my purpose. So I'm no longer, I had a purpose instead of just going to job and trying to get to my hobbies afterwards. It was kinda like, okay, well I'm gonna handle all my responsibilities and all of these are my responsibilities because I'm an artist. uh, This is my purpose in life. I actually have somewhere to go, I have somewhere to be. And to me personally, uh, as long as I don't stress myself out too much, um, you know, make my schedule very easy, I, I seem to not sink into depression as much because I'm doing things that I enjoy surrounded by people I like, too. So uh, that's something that personally helps me. I mean, teach, uh, is there anything that, you know, has helped you in the past? I mean, you know, your kids, obviously, you mentioned earlier. Family. Yeah, yeah family. The,
1: the wife and the kids, you know, it's like a kick in the nuts.
0: <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> like, what? You're going to yeah. what's about this? No. <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to keep going, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, um, I guess that's just one of the problems that I had with, um, with. The uh, the suicide of Anthony Bourdain was that he left behind an eleven year old daughter. You know? Yeah, and I could just that's one of the things that'll keep me here is my children. As yeah. much as I did, if for some reason I should go deeper and sadder than I've ever been, which isn't really not that bad, um, I know that I would never ever take off without you know my kids being gone and my wife yeah, being gone. Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. Um, trusty is there I mean, it's something that you, you know aside from obviously we didn't, we didn't think that meditation is a cure but you had mentioned that helped you a little bit just uh, yeah, meditation
2: helps um the art helps so obviously kate at this point uh, it was about a week and a half ago that, that kate spade took her life and and i felt a need to to do something to say something and, and so i created a piece that said uh, whether a duffel or a kate spade we all have baggage Oh, dude that's awesome and, I, and i've put that up around town i put the, the out on melrose and Abbott kinney and actually um th- the old kate spade store is uh is down on uh on third and orlando oh. and so it's not a kate spade anymore it's a it's a Ragdoll, um which is another clothing company and so I, I sort of did it that day and I went and I don't usually, I mean, I have a set of rules that I live by about buildings that I will and will not paint on. And I was like, I can't not put it on that. And it's, it's a perfectly white wall. And I thought, look, if they don't like it, they, they can paint right over it. Um, or, or I'll even go back and paint over it. If, if, Here's the thing, by it. if and it's so- a
1: perfectly white wall, it's okay
2: because they can turf. They Thanks. can
1: paint over it with perfectly white easily if it's right. a faux wall. If it's you know right, like wall. I won't paint
2: on the cement wall. Like if it's just that that cement unpainted, yeah, Then plaster, they have to nice power blast. blast it. Exactly. You're um, never so get that so off. So, no uh, so I went down there uh, at night and and put up the the Kate Spade piece and I I in my post thanked them thanked the shop and said thank you for the space to honor Kate Spade on her old, uh, on her old, uh, store wall. I love how and, and, as
0: and, you would never imagine
2: and, and, like and they, and they, uh, and they sort of sent back a love and it was like, okay, good. And it's still, it's still writing. And I was like, as long as it has a couple days, uh, down there, I just, I, I it's, wanted to give love and acknowledge, like, because it is that thing of, you just never know what, what someone is struggling with. And we do all have baggage and, and accept that. And then two days later with Anthony Bourdain, um, my background is film and television development. I've developed shows inspired by what he has done in his life. Um, I have oh, wow. I've set up shows that are like that, that are travel food-based. As I said, I am a foodie. I look to him. I wanted to emulate that. And there are many, many people in the industry that wanted to recreate that. And we looked at him as our inspiration and I would have been perfectly happy spending my life as a poor man's knockoff to Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, and absolutely. so I woke up to that news and, um, and it was the first thing that I heard or saw that morning. I went and meditated, I cried and I crawled back into bed. And I was laying in bed and I thought, you know what? I, ca- I can't, I can't just, I can't lay in bed and I, and I started thinking about I'm gonna do something for him. I'm gonna put a piece up for him. And I was like, Yeah, I could do like something about no reservation or party for one or something that was a pun. And I didn't want to. And so basically, I went just straight at it. And it says, uh, "Now, Anthony Bourdain. That's it. I'm crawling back into bed."
0: That's exactly basically narrating.
2: And, and, and so I went down to Melrose and I painted it. And as I was finishing up, a couple walked by and the guy kind of stopped. He was a big guy, really sort of fit and, and like, like he looked like an athlete. And, uh, and he looked at it and he sort of nodded and he's like, yeah, yeah. And then he took two steps and right around the corner was the Kate Spade piece. And he looked and he goes, holy shit. And he stopped and he took two pictures. And he goes, did you do that? And I go, yeah. And he came over and he wrapped his arms around me and gave me a big bear hug. He's like, thanks, man. Thanks. And
0: then they headed off on, on, the, on their way. I haven't... To be honest, I mean, you know, uh, Kate Spade affected a lot of women. I have never seen the crazy outpour online of... Uh, I mean, there's a lot of celebrity suicides, but, I mean, Anthony Bourdain, seriously, you know, he's touched so many people. It's still riding all the social media posts. I mean... Murals being painted, all this crazy stuff. But think about why.
2: He bridged things. He bridged culture. He wasn't just, his shows aren't food shows. Yeah. His food his, his shows are culture shows. They're human shows. He goes into people's homes. He goes into people's restaurants. He goes into people's cities. And he shows you the humanity of those places. No matter if they're war-torn or high-end, he shows you humanity and reflects it back at us and that's why because that's why that's why he touched so many people and that's why so many people wanted to create programming just like it
0: yep yeah i mean at the end of the day too another one i just want to mention too especially for my generation of beachy he's a a producer dj i mean i covered him when i was a music journalist like back in 2006 he's still under the name tim berg and um like i said he's he's real young 28 or something like Everybody just kind of sees the, uh, the the glitz, the glam, you know, the travel, and uh, especially musicians and artists. Man, we get depressed because uh, you know you kind of have have to have emotions in order to create good art. You, you know what I mean? A lot of times, and uh, but it is a struggle. myth. It
2: is a myth that you have to be tortured to make good art. Oh, definitely. <clears throat> I know some people have said that they don't want to go on medication because they think that medication will take away their artistic ability. That's not true. Um, I was able to to actually. Did per- reclaim good. my voice um <laughs> and 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 actually be productive again
0: awesome okay good. so you know what on that note let's just wrap it up basically because um with soju
1: <laughs> i would like to have some soju right about now that would be awesome i
0: love it thank you so much trusty for hanging out with us we had such a good time guys. talking to mental health awareness and uh next up we have another one coming for you We are going to interview the man who, the legend who painted Machiavelli, the Don Caluminati Seven Day Theory album cover. Um, He's a street artist, but a different type of street artist. He's an artist from the streets of Compton, and uh, he's going to talk a little bit about the Death Row era. And uh, his time working for Death Row Records, Suge Knight, Tupac, Nate Dogs, Snoop Dogg, all those things. Okay, so you have that to look forward to. Thank you guys. Love you guys. Stay mentally healthy. And I uh, uh, love you. Take care. Bye.